call you servant, a servant's heart. You are called my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. John fifteen fourteen and 15. You have suddenly been transported to 1849. You find yourself in the most beautiful mansion. You're standing at the intricately carved colossal front door holding a cloak. You look around and see servants scurrying like ants attending to the needs of those who reside there. Still trying to gather your thoughts, you glance down to find you are also dressed in servants' clothing. Just then, the master enters the room. Flanked by your co-laborers, one taking his cup of tea while the other places a leather case in his hand, your eyes meet his. As he approaches, you think again about the cloak draping your arm. Immediately, you respond as if it's second nature, but you've never been here. Easing the cloak onto the master's shoulders, you notice his eyes have once again met yours. Now, friend, let me share with you my business for today. This scene turns mysterious as you were sure the clothing you wore was that of a servant, not a friend. True servants of the living God bow in their position, understanding they are so much more in the eyes of a loving master. Though completely satisfied with the one-dimensional title, a true servant soon discovers he is also endeared as a friend of the master himself. When the Lord directed me to study servanthood, I had no idea what that would entail until I opened my concordance. I kept turning pages to find rows and columns of references, close to 1,000, for servant, servanthood, serve, service, servitude, and tenses of these words. If we can understand what it means to be a servant, perhaps we can also be called God's friends. I pray you and I will see this clearly after we take time to bow down and look more closely at what Scripture has to say, and that would be a lot. The scripture reference at the beginning of this chapter, spoken by our master, has one strong rope attached, and it will anchor us. But it's a mighty big if, if you do what I command. I have been the kind of friend who is here today, gone tomorrow, and back again. Certainly, I wouldn't have been a friend the Lord could count on based on this scripture. I want to become the dependable, consistent friend of my Lord. Servants don't come and go like someone who might help with housework periodically. Servanthood is a lifetime commitment from God's perspective. I'm learning about servanthood firsthand without ever opening my Bible. In past years, summer with three kids and a school teacher for a husband is challenging as time alone is gone after the first child rises each day. I even wondered why the Lord didn't give me this writing assignment during the school year when I could have hours alone to devote to it. I asked him each night to wake me early enough to have time alone to pray and study before I see more than just my sleepy eyes. He was faithful to answer my prayer. As I would lie down, I couldn't wait for morning, but when it came, I always wanted to roll over and play dead. When I go against my desires and rise anyway, I bow to my role as servant to the master. I'm beginning to understand. In Hebrew, the word servant is ebed. This is defined as bondage, bondman, and is from the root word of abad, which means to work in any sense, by implication, to serve, till, enslave, keep in bondage, compel, do, dress, execute, keep, laboring, bring to pass, be wrought, worshiper. In the Greek, the word servant is doulos. This is defined as a slave, literally or figuratively, involuntary or voluntary. 
frequently, therefore in a qualified sense of subjection or subservience from the root deo, to bind, literally or figuratively, be in bonds, knit, tie, wind. What is new or interesting to you in these definitions? Before we search for a true servant in Scripture, let's see what a half-hearted approach might look like. In reading 2 Kings 10, we will see that Jehu may be a perfect example of a half-hearted servant. The Lord held something against him, though he had followed a part of the instructions. God's mercy is great in that he will often allow us to serve, even with half a heart. The commentary regarding this passage in the Life Application Bible states, Jehu did much of what the Lord told him, but he did not obey him with all his heart. He had become God's instrument for carrying out justice, but he had not become God's servant. As a result, he only gave lip service to God while permitting the worship of the golden calf. 